Welcome to Blitzcast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome to Blitzcast number 104, another show, another week. We're going to be talking about offensive linemen on this show. The big uglies, we left them till the end. Uh, It's really interesting group they've got some intriguing center prospects I'm not as high on offensive guard prospects in this draft I know Ed likes a few of them I had to change it up a little bit I had to put a couple of tackles at the top in my rankings in order for me to be satisfied with this group and obviously the offensive tackles in this draft are as good as it gets especially in the first round and we might see six or seven of them go in the first round. So let's start with centers, Ed. Center is really smart and understands what, what's going on around him. All those blitz pickups, all those stunts, the center is usually the one pointing them out. So let's start with the centers that you have in your rankings. And number five guy on the board, Ed, is my number one center, actually, Cesar Ruiz from Michigan. What are your what what are his strengths? What are his weaknesses? And why do you have him at number five? Okay, well, um, I I think I think he's a, I think he's a very good run blocker. Um, I think I think he he still has pretty average awareness and pass pro- protector. Um, he can be a good pass protector when he finds his man. Um, just sometimes the awareness is a little bit of an issue, but it's it's pretty it's pretty par for the course. Um, weaknesses, I think he could stay on his feet better. I think he could sustain blocks better. Um, I just I didn't I didn't think the tape was as good as some other guys that I've seen. I I, I mean Cesar Ruiz would be okay for me, but um, I th- there there are some guys that I'd, I'd I'd take over him. Well, it sounds like Ruiz might be the only center taken in the first round of the 2020 NFL draft, and there are a few teams out there. The Cowboys, the Eagles have shown some interest. So I'm, I'm confident to say that Ruiz will be a first-round pick. I think anything else, I mean, the Seahawks will pick him up at 27. Uh, number four, Ed, you've got an underrated guy. Who is it? Yeah, I like this kid, Biadas. Um He's uh, the center from Wisconsin. You know, Wisconsin's got a great offensive line tradition. He's a very good run blocker. He played center for the Badgers. Um, you know, he does average in pass blocking. Plays with some physicality. Does a good job of moving defenders in the run game. Um, I think his strength is there as a blocker. So I mean, there's some there's some raw tools with him too. So um, this is this is definitely a guy I like. I think the watching him in 2018, he had better film than in 2019. And uh, some of the rumors came out from the combine is that he has some injury concerns. Um, you know, he, uh, people aren't sure about his medicals and obviously he wasn't able to do the, the medical recheck. So obviously that's a huge question mark for him, but felt like a player that was better when he was younger when he was a freshman, when he was a sophomore, I felt like his play leveled off as a junior. Number three, you've got Nick Harris, uh, the center from Washington. You actually have him as a, as a sleeper out there. Interesting. I mean, he was at the Senior Bowl. My question mark to you: Do you think he's much of a sleeper? Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is a guy who who, who probably will go on day three. Um, but I mean, I I, I think I really like him. Um, 
you know, as far as, uh, you know, trying to find sleepers in a center crowd is kind of hard. Um, you know, but I think, I think this is a guy who is projected to go on day three, but a guy who I would, I would, you know, I would be comfortable taking early. I mean, this might be, this might be the guy I want my team to end up with if I'm drafting a center, you know, if I want to get good value. Um, you know, he was, he was Washington center. He's a very good pass blocker, good hand use as a blocker, good balance in his footwork, good run blocker and good technique. I mean, just a lot of things to like about Nick Harris. I, I was really impressed with his tape. I interviewed him at the at the Senior Bowl, too, and I think he did pretty Are well. Are you not worried about his size and his strength out there, especially in pass protection? Can he hold up against some of those bigger guys? I mean, si- size and... Size and strength are not are not his big things, but the things that I like, you know, I I feel like he has good technique and good technique sometimes makes up for good size. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys you see, and you know, we'll talk about today that you know have great size, but that they don't have the technique, and so they're not the lineman that they could be. So Nick Harris is Nick Harris is also kind of a guy who you know he's pretty close to a finished product. I mean, put some weight on him, get him in the weight room. I mean, he he could be a good center. How high would you draft him, Ed? You mentioned that he's most likely going to go on day three. I see as as a fourth round pick. Obviously, you're on board with him as a day two guy. Are you comfortable with taking him and round two? I'm not going to say round two. I mean, there's there's just so much value you can get in round two. I mean, I just I I, I don't even I don't even really like taking a center in round two. I mean, there's just you can find good centers later in the draft. Um, I, I, I would say I would say the highest I would take him is round three. All right, number two on the board, Ed, Matt Hennessy, center, guard from Temple. And some teams, I'm sure, have him at center, and some teams have him at guard. But we have him here in the center rankings at number two. A very good player, Ed. Yeah, I, I really liked what I saw at the Senior Bowl. I mean, just like in some of the drills, it was just there was just some nastiness. There was just some knock, knock him out, you know, drag him out fights. I mean, that I saw him doing, and I mean, this was like day one of the senior bowl practices. I mean, this is a guy who just, you know, brings the intensity all all the time. Um, you know, he's he's got good tape, too. I mean, he's decent pass blocking, decent run blocking, um, moves well. I like his punch. I really like his punch. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, the, the thing is, is maybe just staying, staying balanced is really his, his big thing, if he can... If he can stay, if he can stay on his feet, then yeah, I mean, this is, this is a guy, this is a guy I take on day two and, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, he becomes my, my team center or guard in a year. Obviously he's a guy that came out after his junior year, but was able to play at the senior bowl because he graduated. I mean, the kid definitely took a step forward during his junior season in 2019. I saw a player that was quicker getting out to the second level and able to, you know, recognize his blocks and his assignments a lot better than during his sophomore year. Number one center, Ed. Drum roll. Who is it? I like this kid, Lloyd Cushenberry the third from LSU. I mean, LSU players. I mean, they they deserve a lot of credit for the season they had, and I mean, you know, he 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 deserves some credit as being the signal caller. Um, you know, he's got good technique. I think he's a good pass blocker. I think he has decent strength as a blocker decent run blocker and he moves well so I mean he does a lot of things for you and I I just think I just think you know being being the LSU the LSU uh you know guy I mean he's a proven winner so um you know why wouldn't you want to have him on your team 
Would you take him in the second round? Because I saw that you rated him as he's an underrated prospect for you. Yeah, I, I would say I would say second round is fair for him. I think he's I think he's a legitimate second round pick. All right, so we talked about underrated players at center. We talked about sleeper and, and Nick Harris out of Washington. Who is your most overrated center in this draft class? You know, I, one of the guys I have to mention is Keith Ishmael from uh, San Diego State. Um, he played center for the Aztecs. Um, you know, good run blocker. Um, but just the things that I don't like is I, I don't like his pass blocking. Um, he moves well, but I think he could have better feet, you know, as a pass blocker, you know, just in a phone booth. You know, just, just better feet as far as pass blocking. And I think he could square better as a blocker. Yeah, this guy's on the ground way too much for me. I mean, just he's got some issues with balance. Hey, he's got to improve on that. You just you never want to see an, an offensive lineman being on the ground as much as I saw with Keith Ishmael. And he was another guy that came out after his junior season, graduated, was at the Senior Bowl. So we had the chance to interview him. And I, I didn't think like he stood out in any way the way that Matt Hennessy did. Let's go on to offensive guards, Ed. Also top five list here. At number five, you've got a player that played right tackle for Louisiana Lafayette. That's Robert Hunt. One of my favorite prospects in this draft, just period. It's a shame we didn't get a chance to see this guy at the Senior Bowl because he was injured. He also wasn't able to work out at the scouting combine. Uh, they were only able to get his like, height and weight. And it's, it's unfortunate that this player is probably going to drop. But if he didn't have that injury that he was recovering from, I mean, this guy would have been a day two pick. I, I love this prospect. I put him as my number one offensive guard in my rankings just because I wasn't in love with this offensive guard class. So I put a right tackle at offensive guard. And you seem to be pretty fond of him as well. Yeah, I mean, he's got a good frame. Uh, you know, he was left guard, so he's familiar with the position. Um, he can pull as a guard. He's got good punch. He's got a good punch when pass blocking. Um, has some power in the run game. So, yeah, I mean, this is this is a guy who you know when he was on the field, I mean, was doing the right thing. Um, you know, I, I this is definitely a guy. I mean, you probably get him get him in round four, and um, you know why not? Why not add him to your team? I just love nasty, physical, tough offensive linemen, and that's what he is. When you turn on his film, he just he wants to take your head off on every play. He's not pretty doing it. He's got to improve his technique, and there's some things to work on. But this guy just looks to finish and pancake every block. I mean, he's just taking on these defenders, and he just want to, he wants to take their head off. And I love seeing that. Always flying around and showing great effort. At number four, Ed, you've got John Simpson, offensive guard from Clemson. I think he does a good job pass blocking. Um, he played left guard for the Tigers. Um, I think he's a decent run blocker. Um, maybe gets a little confused by the blitz at times, but he's got an NFL frame, and you know he played he played he played with the big boys at uh, Clemson. So um, yeah, this is definitely a guy who could you know be a, be a guard on your team. Yeah, I, I mean I just want to say too. I mean like there's kind of a spot for a guard more on a team now. Um, you know, I th I think because because the way their rosters are structured with the new CBA, um, 
you know, you might you might take like a backup guard because you know in the past you you dress seven linemen, so you kind of dress your interior guy or your kind of center guard guy, and then you dress a tackle or something or a tackle who could play guard. But you know, here here you kind of you kind of get to dress an extra lineman, so you might as well just get a guy who specializes at guard. So you know, guys like Simpson and Hunt and you know others are, are a little bit more valuable well i mean these guys can come in and start for you i mean you can always find a guard on day three and we've seen it every year rookie guards come in they they don't have to be high picks they come in as day three picks and they're starters for for an nfl team you can find valuable guys on in the fifth sixth round the one worry that i have about john simpson is is pass blocking i just think he struggles against quicker guys that can get him moving laterally and he's got heavy feet he's a good run blocker i don't have problems with him there i just i have worries in a passing league nowadays i i start to worry about offensive guards that that can't hold up as pass blockers out there and i felt like against quicker more twitchier guys at defensive tackle he had problems and obviously he faced some top competition out there the last couple of years at clemson number three guy who is it ed I really like this guy Shane Lemieux. Um, you know, he's just he's just a nasty blocker. I mean, just he's an experienced center. He's got an excellent punch. Um, he's a good run blocker, good pass blocker. Um, maybe the only thing is is he needs to square better when blocking. But I mean, there's there's some tools here where you're just like, yeah, this guy, this guy could really be a a, a good pro. I mean, you know, he's got the mentality. I just think he has to sustain his blocks a little bit better and work on his hand placement. But that initial strike at the line of scrimmage, it's deadly. He can kill somebody like that. I mean, he's just he's looking to, to take someone's head off as well. Uh, it's, it's evident. Even watching film on TV or the computer, I mean, you see the defender kind of getting knocked back by that initial strike. So he's got heavy hands out there. Shane Lemieux, obviously that... Oregon offensive line might have, you know, four guys get drafted, and then we'll see a, a top five guy next year in Penny Sue. Um, number two guy, Damian Lewis, another LSU player. Yeah, um, you know, I mean, the things I like is I think he's he's got good powers, a run blocker, good pass blocker, uh, good awareness and pass blocking, decent physicality as a blocker. You know, he he kind of just checks a lot of boxes. You know, you know he was he was a, he was on the LSU Tigers, was a winner, was a late add to the Senior Bowl. Um, you know, maybe maybe some people might be a little turned off by his personality. Um, he's not he's not a bad personality. He's just kind of cocky, I guess. I don't know. But um, other than that, I mean, you know, this is this is a good football player, and he's got a good football mentality. I like confident players. I like confident players that believe in their ability. I mean, obviously, this guy's been in a lot of big games the last two years. He was a JUCO transfer. I thought he really struggled against Derrick Brown in that matchup last year. and just couldn't handle that power. But not many people at the college level can block Derrick Brown one-on-one. So it's it really is excusable. But I felt like he gave up a lot in pass protection, gave up a lot of power, got pushed back, and something he's got to work on. He's got to work on his anchor a little bit. How about number one, Ed? Surprises here. Who Who's your number one offensive guard? I like this guy, Matt Pert, um, offensive guard from the Huskies. Um, I know, I know some people see him as a right tackle. I think you see him as a right tackle. 
I like him more as a guard. I mean, I just I think his kick slide is not really that great, and I would just I think you put him in a phone booth, and I think he really succeeds. Uh, good character guy, guy I liked interviewing at the Senior Bowl. Uh, moves really well. Um, good run blocker. Has some nasty. So I, I think you kick him inside to guard, and I think he has a good career. So basically, you see some technique issues, and that's the reason why you don't have him at right tackle here, correct? Well, I just, I just don't, I, I just, I like to see the, the, the quick feet, you know. I just want to see, I want to see a guy who can be able to get to the edge, you know. And I just don't, th- I just think as a pass blocker, you put him in a phone booth. I, I'm really worried about him as a pass blocker, and you know, a guy being able to rush the edge and beat him to the edge. So uh, that's why I don't want to put him at right tackle. But you know, you put him, you put him in a phone booth, and you know, he's got the size, and he's got, you know, he's got, he's learned as a tackle, and. Um, I think that gives him the opportunity to really be able to pass block in a phone booth. Well, he played offensive guard because before he got moved to right tackle during his senior year. So that's where he spent most of his college career. But I like him at right tackle because he's a great run blocker. He's got huge size. He's about 6'7", 318, I think, at the combine. And he's got extremely long arms. And you mentioned that his kick slide is average and you know, you, you would like to see quicker feet, but I think he can overcompensate by having those. I mean, he just can get a hand on you and that's it. He can knock you off a little bit, even by being late off the snap a little bit. I just felt like what we saw from Matt Pert as a senior moving to right tackle, that's where he's going to stay. I obviously think he's one of the most underrated players in this draft, especially at the offensive line position, but I'm glad you put him at number one here because he wasn't going to be number one at offensive tackle, right? Let's do offensive guards. Underrated, overrated, and sleepers. Okay. Um, my overrated guys is uh, this guy Solomon Kinley. Um, I'm seeing him rated pretty high. I don't see it. Um, left guard, you know, for the Bulldogs, but needs more power as a run blocker, needs better feet when blocking. He does play with some physicality. He's a decent pass blocker, but... Needs better better awareness in pass blocking. Um, my other overrated guy is uh, Logan Stenberg from Kentucky. I mean, they've been talking about this guy for a couple of years there. Um, I think he can just look bad on some plays. Needs to play with better leverage. He's hot and cold as a run blocker. Um, he does do his job as a pass blocker, but you need that run blocking from, from your offensive guard. Um, he does have some aggressiveness, though. So yeah, Logan Stenberg and Solomon Kinley are my overrated guys. Underrated guys, um, I give you Ben Bredesen um, from Michigan. He played left guard for the Wolverines. Tenacious run blocker, good pass blocker. Has pretty good technique and he pulls really well. Another guy I like is Justin Heron. I interviewed him uh, pretty well. Um, you know, he gave me a long interview and I thought, I thought it really seemed like a pretty good academic Wake Forest type of kid. Um, you know, it seems like he really fits well with that academic type of university. Mahler is a run blocker, moves well for a tackle. He's average as a pass blocker. Uh, maybe needs to stay upright more in his pass blocking stance, but he's got a good punch. Um, so yeah, I, I, I like, I like a Justin Heron, especially if I can get him late. How about sleeper? Do you have one? I, I actually have two, and I'd like to use. I'd like to tell you both of them. Okay, I, I like this kid, John Runyon, uh, from Michigan, number seventy-five. He was the left tackle for the Wolverines, but he has just much more of a guard build. He he needs to have a quicker kick slide to the edge, and I think that's why you need to put him in a phone booth. Um, he's a good run blocker. He gets faked out by stunts, but he has good power. 
as a run blocker. Um, the other guy I want to talk about is Jonah Jackson. I always seem to like these Ohio State guards. Um, you know, guys who you know didn't get a chance to play center or tackle, but you know still are still are good offensive linemen. I think he's an excellent run blocker. I think he he played left guard for the Buckeyes. Uh, maybe needs a little bit better pa- awareness from pass blocking, but he's a good pass blocker overall. I think I think he I think he had a big I think he had a big hand in J.K. Dobbins' success. Um, this is a guy who's a one year transfer grad transfer from Rutgers. Yeah, Jonah Jackson was another player that we saw at the Senior Bowl. I just think this player relies too much on strength instead of technique. Uh, he's just his pad level is way too high. It's almost like Derek Brown playing too upright. Jonah Jackson does the same. On every snap, he bends at the waist. He's not going to be able to do that at the next level. He's got to get that pad level down and and become a better knee bender at the next level, or he's just going to get killed by these more technical, savvy uh, defensive tackles and defensive linemen at the next level. That was my biggest issue with Jonah Jackson. Something that can't be corrected with time, but it's just it's a bad habit to kick sometimes, and uh, he's got the power, he's got the strength, he's a great run blocker, but in pass blocking, he's just on every snap, he's bending at the waist instead of being that, that knee bender. Um, all right, let's move on to a group, like I said earlier, the offensive tackles, a top-heavy group in the first round. And uh, I'm excited to talk about this group because we might see four guys in the top 10 as far as offensive tackles go in, in the first round. So let's start with number 10, Charlie Heck from North Carolina. I mean, this guy was at the Shrine game. Then he was at the Senior Bowl. His dad played in the NFL. Not a bad player, Ed. Yeah, I mean, he's got 6'7 height. Um, you know, I think he's uh, he's got good, de- decent technique as a pass blocker. He's an average run blocker. Um, I think he could have a bit better feet, but I think he forces the edge rusher to the outside a lot. Could he can kind of drive him up the arc? Uh, could sustain blocks better, but I think he moves well in the run game. Um, this is a guy with some good potential, and um, yeah, I mean, I, I think you can get him. Like maybe you might even be able to get him in like the fifth round, and I think this is a good this is a good value pick in the fifth round. Another guy that I was fond of when I was watching film on, I felt like he would be a good swing tackle as a rookie with the potential to start as a day three guy. That's Colton McKivitz, and you have him at number nine, the offensive tackle from West Virginia. Yeah, he was a right tackle for the Mountaineers. Uh, he's a good pass blocker, good feet. Um, maybe sometimes needs to read defenses better. He sustains blocks better. He's an average run blocker. But, uh, you know, I liked him. He was, a, he was a guy I interviewed at the Senior Bowl, too. Um, you know, he's got that kind of, like... He kind of has that like uh, West Virginia personality. I know he's from kind of like Pennsylvania, you know, just just kind of tough, tough kid, um, you know, good attitude. Um, I liked him, and um, yeah, I, th- I I also like his tape. So yeah, Colton McKivitz, um, I think he's I think he's got an NFL future. I love those PA offensive linemen. If I can draft every offensive lineman for my NFL team from PA, I think I'll be in good shape. Yeah, that that's just one of my pet peeves. If he's got PA born and raised there, I'm taking him. All right, number eight, Ed. A little bit of an interesting guy because we didn't get a chance to see him at the Senior Bowl. He was injured. Talk about number eight. Yeah, well, you know, he had he had good tape at Auburn. Um, 
Who Prince, is it, by the way? Pr- prince Tega Wanagu. He, uh, I guess he actually is a prince in Nigeria or something like that. Um, he needs to stay on his feet better, but he's a good pass blocker, has good punch in the run game. Um, maybe just needs to sustain blocks better in the run game. But I, I, I thought I thought this was a guy who, you know, had had some encouraging tape. You know, was the left tackle for the Auburn Tigers. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, this isn't a guy you have to take in the first round, but you know, this is a guy who could be good value. At number seven, Ed, you've got an offensive tackle from Boise State. Tell our listeners about him because they they might not be in the know. Yeah, this guy, Ezra Cleveland, um, you know, he's a good run blocker, decent lateral movement, good pass blocker, moves well in the run game, uh, knows how to drive pass rushers up the arc. Um, you know, just, just one of those guys. I mean, you know, you, I've heard, I've heard him talked about as a first round guy. So, um, you know, that very well could happen. Um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't totally rule that out. This is, this is a special tackle class. I've talked about him since January as a late first round pick i felt like he was going to go to the dolphins maybe at 26 i thought that was a good spot for him i've heard some rumors that the cleveland browns are interested in him but it might be just a smokescreen nowadays but it seems like they're in love with ezra cleveland coming out so we'll see but if he doesn't sneak into the first round he's a solid second round pick top 40 guy number six ed you've got a georgia right tackle not left tackle who is it? Yeah, Isaiah Wilson, who I mean, very well could be a left tackle. I mean, if he uh, if he wasn't playing with Andrew Thomas, um, you know, good awareness to know where the arc is, good run blocker, excellent punch, um, decent pass blocker. Sometimes needs a better lateral movement when pass blocking. But yeah, this is this is definitely a guy who uh, you know has has all the potential in the world to be a you know a starting starting right or left tackle in the NFL. Trent Brown, Ed, I mean, he looks just as big as him out there. Needs to keep his weight in check, but uh, right tackle, obviously, for the Georgia Bulldogs. It would have been interesting to see Isaiah Wilson come back, move to the left side, and maybe improve his stock. But there have also been some rumblings out there that he might be a late first-round pick. So if he is a first-round pick, he he, didn't, he made the right decision by, by coming out. But He's a redshirt sophomore. Number five, Ed. Yeah, I got Tristan Wirfs uh, from Iowa. Um, he's a good run blocker. Maybe needs to stay on his feet better, but needs to move a little bit better in space. But ran the ball. You know, Iowa ran the ball a lot. Um, he's also a decent pass blocker for a right tackle. Um, you know, did really well at the combine. Definitely did well on the bench. Um, the reason I have him down so far is just because the talent above him is just very good i'm just very impressed with the talent above him um you know this is a guy who would be drafted in the first round pretty much any year um you know whether or not he's a whether he's more of a right tackle is fine i mean there have been guys who were just there were more right tackles in the nfl and they've gone gone on to have good nfl careers and i think that's what tristan Wirfs is it doesn't matter to me left tackle right tackle nowadays it doesn't matter so tristan Wirfs is a really good football player Anybody who's seen him play at Iowa or seen his film knows that uh, because obviously he's improved every year. And Iowa offensive linemen have had a lot of success at the NFL level. Not a surprise with with Kirk Ferentz uh, being their head coach, who is an offensive line coach in the NFL. So a lot of success there. And Tristan Wirfs is the next one to, to follow that up. Had probably the greatest 
workout for an offensive lineman in in scouting combine history. I mean, the guy was was incredible and put up some incredible numbers out there. But he's a very gritty physical football player. This guy isn't a combine warrior. Uh, number four, Ed, you've got Mikai Becton, left tackle from Louisville. Yeah, I mean, this guy is just an absolute bully in the run game. Um, he's a good pass blocker, too. Plays with a lot of nasty. He's got a monster frame. I mean, he's like, you know, he if anything, he, he, he might lose a few pounds and still be big enough. Um, he blocks a bit too upright, and he needs to sit better in his frame. You fix his technique, get him a good offensive line coach, and this is this is a guy who could be a pro bowler. Yeah, I'm sure some team is going to fall more in love with him than others. Because offensive line coach, some offensive line coach is going to say, hey, I can fix his issues. I can make him more technically sound. He's raw. I can work with that. I, I can't teach size and athleticism and speed. But my concern is in pass blocking. Louisville changed up their offense. It was mainly a running offense in 2019. He really struggled in those limited reps as a left tackle. I think I feel better with him moving to the right side in, in regards to what I saw. So, um, Mikai Becton, to me, is a bit of a project. But I think he's going to be a top 10 pick. I just think it's going to be too much of a reach. At number three, Ed, who do you have? Um, I like this kid, Austin Jackson, from USC. Um, he, was, uh, he, was, uh, talk- he was USC's left tackle. Um, he sustains blocks well, average run blocker, good pass blocker. Moves well as a blocker. Um, this is just a solid first-round tackle. Um, Austin Jackson from USC Trojans. He can't be perfect on film. Obviously, you're going to have some good games and some bad games. I thought the game against Iowa in the bowl game, A.J. Bonezza had a field day with Austin Jackson. And Austin Jackson is a player I was high on, but... When you struggle against a fellow first-round prospect, a talented defensive lineman, makes me wonder. And I thought Austin Jackson, just going back and checking out my notes from 2019 and 2018, I thought he took a step backwards there. Um, so Austin Jackson is a bit of a risk for me. And uh, I definitely would have had Tristan Worfs ahead of Austin Jackson. Now we get to the top two, Ed. Surprise me here. Who You've got, at number two, you've got the other offensive tackle from Georgia, Andrew Thomas, who spent his freshman season at right tackle, and he's been the left tackle for the Bulldogs the past two years. Yeah, this is the best pass blocker in the draft. Um, you know, I've already talked about his pass blocking, but good lateral movement, has the NFL frame. Maybe needs to square a little bit better as a run blocker, but... Um, his technique also needs to improve a little bit in the run blocking game. But yeah, as a pass blocker, as a blindside guy, plug him in at left tackle and he's your guy. Yeah, Andrew Thomas, uh, definitely a guy that's that's been excelling against SEC competition for, for the past three years. As the size, he's got huge arms, just like Matt Pert. And they're over 36 in- inches out there. That's crazy for an offensive tackle. Um, obviously he moves well and he is a really good pass protector the the best one in this class and yeah like I said if the Giants have that number four pick out there spend it on Andrew Thomas move him to left tackle move Nate Solder to right tackle you've got a left tackle for the next 10 to 12 years at number one Ed I guess you've got one drum roll we've got another Alabama player here it seems like 
every list always ends up at number one. We see an Alabama Crimson Tide player. Yeah, well, I mean, this is a guy who was really smart to uh, to to come out because I mean, he he may not even be the left tackle for the Crimson Tide next year. He probably won't be the le- left tackle for the Crimson Tide, but he may be an NFL left tackle instead. Why didn't he play left tackle there? Why did they have Alex Leatherwood there then? Ed? Alex Leatherwood is a project that left tackle. He projects at offensive guard. How do you not win that job? Why did they keep Wilt? And we're talking about Jedrick Wills Jr., by the way, offensive tackle from Alabama. Why did they keep him at right tackle? Because Leatherwood right now is a project. I, 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 legitimately, I legitimately think it's just as more of a seniority thing. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I mean, both guys were juniors, though. Yeah. Uh, Jedrick Wells, obviously a a big-time recruit coming out of high school. And um, tell me what you like about him. You have him at number one here, ahead of Andrew Thomas, who you called the best pass blocker in this draft, ahead of Tristan Wirfs, ahead of Jackson. Uh, What makes him so special? I just, I, I think he's got good lateral movement, good pass blocker, good punch, good run blocker. You know, I just, I just think this is everything. This is everything. He, he checks all the boxes to be a good NFL left tackle. I know he's a right tackle, but he's really, he's really, he's headed to being a, a future left tackle. And maybe, you know, I, if I, we were talking about the Giants, I mean, Gettleman likes to win at the line of scrimmage. You know, maybe you, maybe you get a guy like Jedrick Wills and you put him at right tackle for a year and keep Nate Soldier at. At left tackle, and then when Nate Soldier is done, you know you have a you have an NFL left tackle in Jedrick Wills. I think I think this guy is going to be a great NFL left tackle. I think he's going to be a very good right tackle. I just I'm not high on him as a left tackle, to be honest with you. Uh, just both the guys that they've gone through there. I mean, Williams last year was a left tackle. Cam Robinson was a left tackle. If Jedrick Wells is so good, why couldn't he beat out Alex Leatherwood, who right now is a project, and that's the reason why he didn't come up. There's nothing wrong with that, Ed. Jedrick Wells is a very good right tackle, and he's worthy of that number one spot out there, and definitely a top 10 pick in my book. Uh, Jedrick Wills, number one prospect. And you obviously feel he's he's a bit underrated. I don't think he's underrated because, I mean, he's a top 10 pick in this draft. So, But tell me, who are some of your other underrated, overrated, and sleeper prospects as far as offensive tackles go? Okay, so Wills is one of my underrated. But my other is I like this kid Jack Driscoll from, uh, from Auburn. Um, he played right tackle at Auburn. You know, obviously was overshadowed by uh, Prince Tega Wanagu. Um, good kick slide, good pass blocker, has some nasty to his game, good technique, solid run blocker. Um, the concern with him is he has short arms, 33-inch arms. Um, this is an NFL right tackle. Um, I have him as an underrated, but he, you know, he could also he could also fit into that sort of sleeper category. But I, I, I picked another guy as a sleeper. I have a better sleeper pick. I guess I'll go with my overrated guys. Uh, this guy, Lucas Nyang, um, you know, they talk about all these great uh, uh, tackles in this in this class, but I think there's one guy who's being overrated, and it's Lucas Nyang from TCU. Um, you know, he has some injuries in his history, um, needs better feet as a pass blocker, needs to stand his feet better. He's a decent run blocker, um, was only a right tackle at TCU. Uh, needs to talk, block more with his base, so I think there's a lot of there's a lot to fix, and I think he's a big unknown. So um, you know, I think there's just a lot of options to go with, other than Yang at tackle. Another guy is uh, Terrence Steele 
Needs better awareness when blocking. Needs to attack more as a run blocker. Good frame, but uh, needs to block lower in his base. Um, average pass block. Could kick slide a little bit better. Um, he's Texas Tech's right tackle. So I, I just... Uh, very mediocre. And a- yeah, and another guy that we saw at the Senior Bowl, and he certainly didn't have a good week there, uh, to be honest with you. And I saw some flaws in his game during his 2019 season. I think he was benched a couple of times during his, his last year at Texas Tech. I mean, that tells you something about a guy that has started for a few years at Texas Tech. How about a sleeper, Ed? Surprise me. I like this kid, Jared Hilbers from Washington. You know, you know, I like my Washington Huskies, uh, especially them, especially them offensive linemen. He's an average run blocker, but he's a good pass blocker, good feet. Um, you know, play with with some nasty. Has good technique when run blocking. Um, you know, this is a guy. This is a guy who probably won't get drafted very high, but I think I think could be like a solid swing tackle in the NFL. It's crazy not to love this offensive tackle class, especially at the top. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think the first day, I mean, usually usually the first day, there's always like a couple guys who get drafted in the first round. You're like, well, why? <laughs> you know, what, what, what made this guy a first rounder? You know, teams are just are just looking for a left tackle in the first round. And I understand why the way you build a team. But, um, you know, this is a year where if you're looking for a left tackle, get one. You know, get one because this is the year. This is the year to get a guy to plug and play. Um, there's there's probably about seven guys who could who could probably be plug and play guys. Kevin Dotson, offensive guard from Louisiana Lafayette, joins the show. Kevin, how are you, man? Doing good. Just trying to stay out the way. Like you know. Obviously, we're a week away from the NFL draft, less than a week away. How have you stayed in shape recently, ever since all the gyms closed down? And I'm just, just doing what I can. You know, it's just, it's really like just prison workouts just because you have no weights or, or a real place to really work out. So I'm just doing what I can, and hopefully the gyms open up sooner than later, you know. What made you choose the Raging Cajuns originally out of high school? Uh, I was just um I had got all the um I had got all the in state offers and then um besides LSU uh I went to Mississippi State Elite Camp and, and did good there and they talked about they were gonna come and get me and stuff like that and then they just kinda fell off the map. Um I was getting recruited by LSU and then the running back coach that was recruiting me ended up getting fired and and then after after that, I just realistically looked at the two schools that I would most likely want to go to uh, in L.A. Tech and U.L. Just did a comparison, you know, pros and cons and how far the school was away and and just uh, the the vibe I got from the person on the visit. So it's been a good experience for me. Uh, Kevin, obviously your senior year, you guys won 11 games. Must be thrilling to go out on top. 11-3 and three record during your senior year. I mean, your first winning record that you experienced at Louisiana Lafayette. Yeah, it was easily the best ending that could have possibly happened for us. Um, you know, we went to a few bowl games, and we lost everyone that we went to while I was, while I was there. And to win the bowl game and get a winning season is, is is tremendous. Like it's just the best way you can possibly go out. 
after losing um, that many times in those big situations. Tell us about your experience at the London Tree Bowl in 2019. Oh uh, yeah, it was it was a nice bowl. You know, it, it's not a well known bowl. I think it was just one of the first years that it came out. Uh, it's in Mobile, Alabama. Some of the hospitals around there and uh, just kind of be able to help the, the kids that were out there, kind of get to get to help the community of Mobile a little bit. So it, it did it did help a lot to be able to see those situations. You know, put a lot of stuff in perspective. Um, but yeah, the bowl was it was a nice bowl game. Ohio was a pretty good team. It was just a good it was a good um, experience to help those children that uh, that were at the bowl game. They can still be happy and and smiling and stuff. And you know you you don't have that room to complain anymore because some of these kids don't know if they'll make it or not. You know the the bowl game experience was was the whole week was pretty nice. Just being in a nice hotel. Uh, going and doing activities and things like that. Um, it, was, it was a good experience, and it felt like it felt like we were, you know, getting rewarded for what we've done for the season. It was a nice experience. How has your head coach Billy Napier been able to turn the program around? Uh, just uh, in his first day, he came in 360, just um, getting the players as much money, having improving our living. Our living arrangement style, you know, just be able to have um, money to actually live with, uh, being able to have money to save up and stuff like that. And uh, just the, the culture that he brought with him, uh, we he has a winning culture in him. You know, once you start feeling that winning spirit, it's just it's hard to get rid of it. You were named first team All-American during your senior year. How proud are you of that accomplishment? I'm really proud. I, I was just hoping to, to get some type of recognition. And once they started rolling in, it was it was overwhelming. Just all the things that ended up coming towards me, uh, coming my way, the All-American, the the five All-American newspapers and stuff like that was that were calling me and stuff like that. Uh, it, it was pretty nice being able to have that those milestones, those accolades, things that you look for your entire career because, you know, offensive line don't get too much uh, recognition. Uh, Kevin, what are your biggest strengths as a player? What do you bring to the football field? I feel like I'm I'm a smart player, and being able to be smart and strong is, um, I feel like, my best asset, being able to put those two together. Because being confident and knowing to play lets you play stronger. You were four years starter in college. How will that help you in your transition to the next level? I feel like it helps me in knowing that my red shirt freshman year, the year that I had the red shirt, and then being able to start for four years has taught me that I can't sit on the sideline and being being able to to find a way to start will be uh, – one of the most prominent things uh, when I go to the league, uh, being able to come in and fight for a starting spot, no matter who's supposed to be the backup or who's supposed to be the starter, I feel like I'll find a way to uh, get into that starting spot. What's the key to playing offensive guard? Uh, the key to playing offensive guard is making sure the people around you know what they're doing and make sure you know what you're doing. Uh, I say that's, that's the main thing. Um, because you can be stronger, faster, 
or you can be weaker, slower, but as long as everybody on the line knows what they're doing, if you can help your tackle to know what he's doing and the center knowing what he's doing, you can make a lot of things happen, even if you don't have the strength or um, or the like athleticism. As long as everybody knows what they're doing, being a great teammate, being a team player at guard is kind of you kind of the glue of the, the offensive line. Obviously, your teammate Robert Hunt is another player that's with you in this journey. What was it like playing next to your teammate, your right tackle, Robert Hunt? Oh yeah, me and Rob having him right next to me uh, our last two years has been the best experience because we can talk and stuff during and after practice and we understand each other. So that chemistry was always right there. So I never had to, to argue with him or never had to never had to tell him something because we, we've talked about it before in this different situation. And I know, yeah, he knows how I play. He, he knows that I'll play hard for him. You know, I know he'll play hard for me, and, and that confidence just helps in what we did all year this year. You played at the East-West Shrine game in January. What are your biggest takeaway from that experience? My biggest takeaway from that experience is that now that I know I can play with um, with anybody. Um, you know, being from a smaller school, you, you get downplayed a lot. Just being saying uh, you have no competition or something like that. And being able to go against those bigger schools, uh, it, it really helps boost your confidence. And being able to go against those top-tier talents and still being able to do what you can and do what you, you, you've already done this entire year, it helps you a lot. You have good bloodlines. Tell us about your family's athletic achievements. My dad, he was a college football player. My mom, she ran track in college. Uh, I have two uncles who both went to the NFL uh, coming from Mississippi State. Uh, so, so our bloodline is pretty athlete rich, you know. Uh, my brother played in college uh, at Nickel State, in Louisiana. What advice have your uncles given you about the NFL? Yeah, they they helped me uh, in the, the agent process. That was one of the things they really helped me in, and um, just kind of knowing what what to look for an agent, things like that. Um, they told me already that. They feel like my strength and like speed and stuff like that is, is already on par with NFL prospects. So uh, I should just really be worried about being a better um, technical player, stuff like that. Who's a player you watch film on? Um, one of the players that I really, I really love watching is somebody who just retired, uh, Marshall Yonder. He just plays with a lot of confidence, and he, you can tell he knows the playbook, and he plays real nasty. So. One of those people that you you would like to model yourself after. Your final sales pitch, uh, Kevin. What type of player in person would an NFL team be getting in Kevin Dotson? Uh, in Kevin Dotson, you would get a consistent, smart player who's um, willing to do anything for the team, play any position. I want to thank Kevin for being with us. So we appreciate it. This was Blitzcast number one hundred and four. Take care.